0: Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible
1: Podcast. Can, good morning. Can we try, like, trying? can we say something different next time? Like, uh, no. I don't know. Just totally change it up. Do you think anybody different asked? Morning. Well, never mind. Do you think anybody asked what?
0: I was going to say, do you think anybody asked Moeller to change up his intro, but well, I'm I not mean, him, so I, I, yes. that's why I stopped myself. Okay. But you begged the question, so. I, I did not.
1: I didn't beg it. I That's what it felt like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you know that Albert Moeller and Roderick Gomez are the same syllables? Have you ever seen both of us in the same room at the same time? mm-hmm, huh. mm-hmm. Huh. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Huh. see what I did there
0: even if it's just Al Mohler and Rod Gomez
1: there you go yeah there you go I mean I think when it comes to the caliber of person I, I you know I don't want to say that we're basically in the same ballpark but Dude, that's the same for me too
0: PJ uh, burner uh, I, I just think it's a stretch. <laughs> Ah uh, well, this is why you tune in for good, strong opening content like this. I mean,
1: that's a good thing. That's a good thing. We can at least say we don't plan them. We, we don't. We just, we, we don't. just turn on the microphones. We just start talking we and whatever go. comes out, comes
0: out. Right. Which hopefully is an encouragement to you because we have the type of friendship and relationship that we can do that. That's right. Yeah. We have fun. Yep. That's our goal. That's our point. And sometimes we disagree and sometimes
1: we disagree off air. Yeah. And we settle our differences. Yep. You know, we do the fist pump at the end and maybe there's tears. And I try to console you when those tears happen. But I sometimes. appreciate it, man. It really, <laughs> I, it just, I go home sometimes. I just
0: have to lay in on the floor in a fetal position and <laughs> tell Amanda, I just Amanda don't think Pastor Rod likes me anymore. <laughs> I don't know. She's like, it's okay. I promise. He wouldn't have moved to Texas otherwise. That's true. Yeah. That's true. No, that doesn't happen, but we do have a good friendship and I'm grateful for that. Indeed. Well, hey, we are in Proverbs chapter seven and eight. And hey, guess what
1: chapter seven's about? No, no hold on. I'm going to take a guess. Uh, the wise stewardship of money. Nope. Nope. <sighs> the wise stewardship
0: of our bodies? Maybe that. And our marriages. And our marriages. Mm. hey Uh Yeah, no. Uh, chapter seven is, uh, again, about adultery. And and again, it's repeated here. And, you know, I'm, I'm taking my son through J.C. Ryle's book, uh, Thoughts for Young Men. Oh, Cool. It's a good one, and uh, one of the things I love about Ryle, though, is it, it, you pick up his book Holiness. You read that book, or you're, you know, going through this book with Joshua, it's it's transcendent of the time. It he wrote back in the eighteen hundreds, ministered back then, and and yet what he writes, you could right about today yeah and uh, i think there's just a a gifting of that to be able to evaluate things that way and and put the finger on the pulse of what really the issues are and this was an issue in in solomon's era and it's still an issue today and should the lord tarry it's going to be an issue 100 years from now and so it's it's a good thing that we have such clear teaching in the scripture about this that there's no ambiguity here about whether or not this is okay or not okay and in chapter seven, he tells a story to help. And and that's the other thing that I appreciate. You know, Solomon is is approaching this didactically or, or in a teaching manner from different perspectives. Yeah, multiple angles. Um, and here he again uses a story and he uses the story of, of looking out his house and seeing a young man who he says lacks sense. And he in verse eight is not keeping his way far from her, but instead he's passing along the street near the corner, taking the road to her house in twilight and evening at the night and darkness. We used to have a, a saying back at master's nighttime is not the right time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was not beholden to that, that, uh, that statement in verse 10. Notice it says, behold, the woman meets him. Right? That, if that's not sin for us, right? Sin is not hiding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sin is waiting for us. Yeah. Uh, Crouching. Yeah. Wisdom. You're going to, you're gonna have to work for wisdom. You don't have to work to sin. Sin is there, yeah. and it's it's, it's waiting. Um, she meets him dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. How about that? Wily of heart.
1: How, do you, do you, are you wily, Pastor Ron? I'd like to. I'd like to hope not. <laughs> I don't think you. Are. I, I, I and I don't dress like a prostitute either. Well, that's good too. I guess you know what, In fairness, I don't know what a prostitute dresses like, but I don't think that's me. Yeah. Yeah, she's loud and wayward again.
0: She's not hidden. This is not hard to find this woman of of the night (laughs) Now in the street now in the market at every corner she lies in wait And if that's not true today, then I don't know what it is. I mean all the more so today. Yeah, it's everywhere It's at the fingertips. It's at the ready. We anyways we've, We've talked about that plenty But let it be another reminder to us that we have got to be on guard as parents Against these things and just let's just talk to to not just the parents, but just adults in general too. Like this doesn't go away after you hit a certain age. Like this is a temptation for everyone. So we need to be aware that this is a danger and we need to guard against it. She's persuading him in verse 21. She's compelling him all at once. He follows her as an ox to the slaughter and does not know that it's going to cost him his life. That's sober, a, a dangerous, sober thought that is. Yeah.
1: One thing I I would point out to you is, and we've covered this multiple times now in the beginning of the book of Proverbs, why are we covering it again? Now, keep in mind, we're talking about Old Testament Israel here, and one of the earmarks of their fidelity to God is their fidelity to one another, particularly in their marriages. Think about how often God draws on the analogy of marriage and adultery to to talk about what Israel has done when they depart from him. So marriage is is more than just an institution, a public institution. It's something that's representative of their relationship with God. And so as the wisdom literature for Israel, Israel who was wed to To Yahweh, their marriages were more than just the marriage. And it's much the same as how Paul talks about marriage in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter five. It's no longer just an institution of marriage, it it represents our relationship with Christ. And so there is a corollary here. There is a a connection. It's not the same that we see in the New Testament, but it's similar. So keep that in mind. Our marriages are a reflection of our love for God. Our Mm -hmm. faithfulness to our spouses are a reflection of our faithfulness to God. Yep. Good. Well,
0: in chapter eight. As the woman folly or the woman of adultery is loud and wayward, the woman wisdom is again. She's not hidden. She's not somewhere that that is impossible to to find her. She just is not as easily found as sin is, unfortunately. But she's there and she's calling. In chapter eight, does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? In the implication there, even in the language, is the, the implied answer is no. She she does she does do those things she's taking her place at the crossroad crossroads beside the gates we've talked about this earlier in the book of proverbs and she's calling out she's calling to the men to the children of man to the simple ones to learn to learn sense to learn prudence and uh, in verse 10 uh, appealing to the value there take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold for wisdom is better than jewels and
1: all that you desire even the Texas Twinkie cannot compare with her well this is actually verses verses like verse 10 and we're going to get to another one later on in the proverbs verses like that are usually why I justify almost any book purchase mm. <laughs> just like mm. I, I want to spend money on wisdom I want to spend yeah. money on things that are going to contribute to my my growth in Christ so I kind of I, I don't know maybe that's a wrong that's a wrong application but I always find that to be encouraging toward growing in wisdom and in knowledge so when I buy a lot of lagos packages I'm like hey the scripture tells me buy up wisdom store it up baby <laughs>
0: that's good that's good all of our bibliophiles our our book lovers out there are excited about that
1: pumping their fists in the car that's right
0: yeah notice in 13 the fear of the lord is the hatred of evil so again we have the fear of the lord helpfully defined for us more and more in the book of proverbs the fear of the lord is the hatred of evil pride and arrogance the evil way perverted speech i hate And so wisdom is about putting off evil. We see that in the new Testament as well. Look at Colossians chapter three. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above put off that, which is evil and depraved and put on the things of Christ. Um, verse seventeen: I love those who love me. That's interesting. The personification of wisdom here. Wisdom will love those who love her. In other words, if you do give yourself to the pursuit of, of finding wisdom, then here the 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 corollary. To borrow a word that Pastor Rogers used, which is not the same as coronary. Nope that's an artery or, or right? a canary or a canary not the, the corollary is that wisdom will respond and uh, and love you back and in other words you will find wisdom she's available but she must be sought notice verse 20 i walk in the way of righteousness in other words wisdom will not be found with the unrighteous psalm chapter one teaches that we've read about that earlier in, in uh, the book of proverbs as well Chapter eight, though beginning of verse twenty-two. Pastor Rod, is this
1: Jesus? Yes, it's not. Yes, it's not. <laughs> okay. Now, so my position on—I I guess here we go again because we don't talk about this beforehand. My position is that this is not Jesus, and I think that's probably the, the, okay, great. That's the majority opinion at this point. There was not a time, there was a time not long ago that where people used to say this is the the pre-incarnate Christ um, being possessed, and as you'll see a little subtext next to that word, verse 22 there, um, people used to read that as created because uh, potentially the word can be used as created, at least has, it has a it has some usage where that very same word can be a reference to something created, but possessed seems to be a better choice of translation for that word. Um, and given the context, it's a character quality that the Lord possesses and not necessarily a person, although Christ himself is wisdom personified, rather wisdom incarnate.
0: Yeah, and in one of the verses that they'll go to as well is verse 30, when it says, I was beside him like a master workman, and they'll see that as... Similar to John chapter one, where wisdom or where Jesus there is said to be um, active in the creation of all things. And so that's where the the connection comes from. But I agree with Pastor Rod's interpretation there as well, that this is not referring to Christ, but simply uh, a further unpacking of what wisdom is verse 35 whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the lord therein i think uh, we've talked about this previously is it life physical or life eternal i think in that instance we might answer yes i think Mm -hmm. there's both implied there in verse 35 well let's jump over to our new testament reading in first corinthians chapter 14 and finish first corinthians chapter 14 man i'm looking forward to first corinthians chapter 15
1: i'm loving first corinthians 14 are you so good I mean, honestly, I, I love the plain things in scripture. Don't get me wrong. I love when it's so obvious and clear, the perspicuity of scripture on full display all about that. But when there's challenging texts, there's just something about that, that just kind of gets my gears going. Like, I love thinking God's thoughts after him and trying hard to figure it out. Right. Right. It's the glory of God to conceal things. It's the glory of Kings to find them out, to figure them out. And I just feel like when you have passages like this, it just causes me to scratch my head and say, Teach me, Lord. I want to learn. Help me understand this. I enjoy it, which is what we
0: have been talking about with proverbs and seeking wisdom, right? In part, at least, right? right. Struggling toward the wisdom of God, absolutely, right? right. Getting in the uh, the Bible weight room, if you will. That's right. Lifting the heavy weights. Yeah. Well. In chapter 14, he continues on some of the things that he's already been talking about. But again, the, the focus, look at verse 26b, let all things be done for building up. That's go again. still his his point here. And so he's saying here, again, with whether it's speaking of tongues or prophecy, there needs to be an interpreter there with tongues. So this is good for the whole body. Prophecy, this is about building things up. And look, if, if you're going to prophesy, notice verse 32, the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. In other words, don't be Some strange nonsense in here, and claim it that this is right. When you've got other people that are prophets in the church saying that's not in keeping with what is true. In other words, that we need to be discerning, even when it comes to this, and and on on guard against that. Because verse thirty three, God is not a god of confusion, but of peace. Or maybe you're used to the older translation that says God is a god of order, not of chaos. And he desires order within the confines of the worship service and he desires it not to disrupt or cause anybody to be distracted from what they're there to do, which is where he goes next in what is somewhat a controversial passage in today's culture and society, wherein he says in verse 34, look, women should keep silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission. As the law also says, if there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home for it's shameful for a woman to speak in church. Okay. Now that we've potentially angered you or some people, at least in the culture would be quite put off by that and and angered by that. What does he mean here? Well, this is where we need to, to let scripture interpret scripture, because previously Paul has opened the door to women speaking in church, women prophesying in church. Um, we've seen uh, situations where uh, you've got deaconesses within the con- context of the church. It'd be hard for a woman to serve as a deacon very effectively in the, the church, I think, without speaking <laughs> in some regards. Um, and so it, point. Is, is this a, a blanket charge that a woman can never speak in the church? And I, I don't think the rest of scripture holds that up. I do think there's a situation where women here in Corinth were becoming disruptive to the service. And I think that's what he's addressing that they were in this context, that they were challenging perhaps some of the prophecies that were being given or they were uh, asking questions and flagging things down and interrupting and disrupting the flow of the service leading to not peace, but confusion all of verse 33. So Paul is here writing specifically to prohibit, that And he's not writing here to prohibit a woman from ever opening her mouth within the context of the church.
1: Yeah. And probably the, the, the strongest weight we could lean on here is just a few chapters earlier. Where Paul does say, look, when a woman prophesies, she should cover her head. Right. So if you recall that, it's, it's probably very likely that when Paul's writing this, he didn't forget what he just wrote or as even as he's dictating it, if he's using an amanuensis. But Paul is not a dummy. He's not, he's not an imbecile here, kind of talking in, out of both sides of his mouth. So when we look at a passage like this, as strongly worded as it is, we could say with a great deal of confidence, this is not an absolute saying, an absolute prohibition against women speaking at all in church for the very reasons that Pastor PJ mentioned, but more specifically, even within the very context that he writes the letter. So this is not that. There's got to be an external situation that we're not as privy to, though, that would make this feel a lot more sensical within the confines of the text. On that note, we should also recognize that chapter 14 in 1 Corinthians would make it all but impossible to argue that I don't have control over my gifting. I have to speak. I have to... Utter this this thing. I have to. I have to. Give me the microphone. It's my turn to talk, Pastor PJ. Uh, to stealing the microphone from Pastor PJ while he's preaching. Paul says you have control. You have the ability to deny yourself, and that's a very point. He's saying that you should, in order to do things decently, in order to be a, a church of peace, a, to be a church that is not children in their thinking, to excel in building up the church. So exercise self-control in not being a disruption, in not speaking ecstatic utterances. Let it all be done decently and in order. God is a God of order, not of chaos. God's a God of beauty, symmetry, of, uh, I mean, uh, that that alone I think speaks. Now that's something, the the revealed nature of God in his orderliness is something interesting and I think has a lot of implications for a lot of other things about our lives. But Mm. nevertheless, all that to say, keep in mind here, the context is what dictates how we understand a passage and this is a great one to put that into practice with.
0: Yeah, and something else to to note here, Paul's words to Timothy are still true in this context as well, and that is that it was not permissible for a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man in the context of the church. So we would be what we call complementarians in the sense that when it comes to pastoral ministry in the church, that is a a position reserved for men because those are the the biblical precepts. That's what's laid out in the qualifications for an elder is that it's a, a male-held role as part of God's design and created order. So this is not saying here, when we're arguing That that this is not a prohibition from a woman speaking at all in the church. That's what we're saying. We're not saying that this opens the door or that there's room for a a woman to serve as pastor and and preach in the context of the church. That we would say is still under this prohibition here, though. That the the angle on that is different in this context.
1: Well, we'll look at verse thirty four. The woman should keep silent in the churches, for they're not permitted to speak. But here's here's the important part. But should be in submission, as the law also says. That's carried forward, and this is why we would say that it's binding. not specifically in this context, but First Timothy 2 would be binding because of that very situation. Yeah. Paul is trying to elevate male authority in its proper place. Um, so that the the church is again done decently and in order.
0: Yeah, and you may be wondering, well what what Old Testament law says that? and And there isn't a specific one that you point back to, however, as Paul does with Timothy and elsewhere, I think this is a reference back to the Torah in general and to the created Genesis, order, right? right? Genesis. That, so when he says law there, he's referring to the f- the first five books and the creative uh, account or act of creation there, wherein men was cre- man was created first and the woman was created from man, as we've already covered earlier in Corinthians. Yeah. <sighs> When we get to the end, though, I I do want to hit on verse 39. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid the speaking in tongues. Okay, so, Pastor PJ, you said last time that you're cessationists there, so what do we do with this? Do not forbid speaking in tongues. I think we have to remember that Paul is writing to a specific church in a specific time and context wherein these things were ongoing. So, to the Corinthian church there, he was writing to them while tongues were still in practice, saying to them, do not forbid these things. I don't think this is... do it in order. Right, do it in order. He's, He's wanted to make sure people don't improperly understand what he's writing to them this does not open the door for continuationism but it's it's speaking specifically to this situation facing this church at this time
1: that's right first corinthians 14 there you go man that's that's exhausting that's exhausting it was exhausting yeah it still is and and i hope it stirs up their desire to study it
0: yeah i agree i agree because if you love wisdom wisdom will love you that's right Hey, we love you guys too. And we will catch you again tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. See you tomorrow.